It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone, it's your host Edward Ford and welcome to the Growth of Podcast, the show about all things B2B SaaS marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Advanced B2B, the growth marketing agency that helps B2B SaaS businesses generate sustainable revenue growth through marketing. So if you're looking for an agency partner who will help you get measurable results from your marketing, then check out advancedb2b.com for more info. Now joining us today on the show is Krista Martin, VP of Growth at Bordable. And in this episode, we're talking about career acceleration and how to go from marketing manager to VP of Growth in just three years. Krista joined Bordable, a SaaS product that provides board management software for mission-driven nonprofit organizations, where she was able to align her professional and personal passions. Krista shares her journey of how she was able to grow her career so quickly, how she leads growth at scale, the qualities she looks for in people who are to join her team, and how to actually make the move from mid-level manager to a VP or C-level role. Now, this episode is packed full of great insights that will help you grow your career. So let's get into episode number 75 of the Growth of Podcast with Krista Martin, VP of Growth at Audible. Welcome to another episode of the Growth of Podcast. And it's my pleasure to welcome Krista Martin to the show, who is VP of Growth at Audible. So Krista, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth of Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, we're really happy you have joined us because we are covering something super exciting, how you went from marketing manager to VP of growth in just three years. So this is going to be super useful for anyone who's looking to accelerate their own career growth. So to kick things off, you had a strong product background coming into Bordable. So why did you want to get into marketing and growth? Yeah, um, great question. And just even here in three years in a startup, three years feels like a lot more than that. So this is a fun topic for me to talk about. Um, My background, it is in product, but I also, my first job out of school actually was as a, is an analyst at a media company. So I had a really great entry into technology where I actually got to try out a lot of things. So I do have some marketing chops and I got to start right out of school at a media company where I got to cross promote products that we were uh, both creating. So on the product side, and then also getting to plug into a TV station and a full newspaper and websites. And so I actually got to practice a lot of my um, demand gen skills through, through that first experience. And then the great thing about that as an analyst I actually got to focus so much on how all of that was performing and how it actually changed behavior in my product. So it was, it was, I think, maybe the best way that I could have personally gotten into tech. And so as I have been in product and the opportunity to go into a startup where I could bring some of that marketing side back into my day-to-day operations, I was really excited to take on that challenge. Um, again, just starting something really getting that community starting to be built through paid channels and then seeing how they they come into your product and how they interact has been something that has been so exciting for me throughout my career. So it, I do, I definitely have a, a, a stronger product background, but I do have some of that marketing under my belt as well. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. And you mentioned that the main reason you were able to make this accomplishment of going from manager to VP in three years is because you followed your passion. So how were you able to align your personal and professional goals at Bordable? 
I have always had the goal to either become a CEO or an executive director of a nonprofit. And giving back in some way to this world is really important to me. And that doesn't always happen through your career. It can happen through volunteering. It can happen through raising a family. There are a lot of ways to accomplish it. So as I started taking on different product management roles, the the product I was creating, um, so right before Boardable, I was in health revenue management. And um, really interesting, I was on the business intelligence team. I got to dig into a lot of interesting problems, but that end user that I was serving, I just wasn't relating to them. Um, the creativity that was needed in that role, it was quite low. Uh, it was a very structured industry and I was looking for something different. So when I started looking for what was next for me, I happened to actually hear Boardable pitched at a networking event and Boardable, we build tech for nonprofits. So right away, I was really interested in, in how could nonprofit tech maybe be this crossroads of both my personal passions for nonprofits and the technology background that I've really started sharpening, right? How, how can I make both of those work together? And I felt so lucky to come across a really young company. Um, at the time, I, I when I came out of Boardable, I was full-time employee number two. So it was very early, but I was able to find that sweet spot where the end user, um, although software can't always go and say we're saving the world, I do get to build software for individuals that are changing the world. And that has always been my North Star um, through really high growth SaaS companies. Often you can get a little bit lost and focus maybe too much on revenue and scale and having a North Star of, of your end users who are out there and doing incredible work. And every time you talk to a customer, it, it kind of humbles you, has been one of the biggest pleasures of my, my career so far. Yeah, that's amazing. You've been able to mix the two and find a role at the crossroads of your passion. So for anyone out there who's still looking for the answer, how can you find your passion at work? That is a really good question. Um, I think first, just really being very focused on what type of company and culture that you're joining. Um, what is the underlying North Star of that company? It's really important to know that before you you come on board because that's going to really give you the roadmap of how you can start plugging in your passions. However, if the product isn't exactly what you've been dreaming about your whole life, that doesn't mean you can't find passion in your job. Uh, other ways that I found passion, um, making sure if there's something that's missing at your company, being willing to step up and start it. Um, maybe that's corporate social responsibility, um, if that's your passion, or maybe it's, it's taking learnings that you've actually had outside of your day-to-day -day and bringing it in lunch and learns or attending attending events or even taking classes that are outside of your day-to-day, -day, I think always helps fuel your passions because if you're interested in a topic and you're willing to go and learn it and you care about your work enough, that's only going to improve not only yourself, but the company you're at too. So I learning is so important. I think learning fuels passion and that always comes back in a positive. Yeah, definitely. And in addition to finding your passion, what other factors have helped you grow your career so quickly over the last three years? As an individual contributor, so being either um, a product manager, if you're a marketing manager, or maybe if you're doing both, the skill set that is needed um, is, is very different than leadership. So 
as you build your career, it's really important to recognize where you find your energy. And when you're an individual contributor, it is so exciting to approach a problem and solve it. And often it's on you, right? So if you just launched a new campaign and you can get very focused on only things that are surrounding that campaign, um, or maybe if you built something new, right? It's, it's launching it, it's getting out there, it's optimizing it, it's figuring out exactly how to make that one area better. And often the, the feedback or the reward you get is personal. It's, it's for you. You did that. You got that feeling of accomplishment after you succeeded. And as you think about growing your career, you have to start learning new disciplines and you have to actually level up in areas that aren't going to feel uh, that same feedback or reward right away. So as you grow in leadership, um, it's important to invest in that. So what I did uh, as, a, as a product manager I and, and marketing manager, I was managing a lot of work, but I was not managing people. So I invested in a leadership coach and really just helping me change my frame of mind of where you find success. So yes, I still continued all of my individual contributing work. Um, really, you know, getting to build a product from zero users to, you know, in the several, several thousand now, um, you, you get to keep trying those things, but at the same time, you need to figure out how to let go of some of those, those jobs, I would call them, right? So you have to figure out how to train others as you add numbers to the company, give them the tools they need, and then you have to let go a little bit, which can be hard coming from an individual contributor background. So first thing I did, I hired a leadership coach and we worked through just some of the new frameworks that I would start using in becoming a better manager and leader. And then on top of that, I have always invested in, you know, upping my, my SaaS game. So I joined the Reforge program um, with the growth series. So that is a six week program where it's, it's on top of your, your full-time job, you're, you're just diving deep into the best practices that are, are happening across the industry. It means you're getting outside of your day-to-day. You're working with, with others who have walked this walk before. And that is so important as you look at your progression in your career, because maybe you think you want to be in a position and until you really, one, start investing in yourself, but also talking to others who are there, it's, it's, it's hard to get there, right? So it, it's important to not only go and learn and invest in education, but I think also connecting with others who have been there is, is so important. Finding those mentors is going to help you find your path. The other thing really important um, as, as you think about growing your career is picking, picking a company that has growth potential. Um, if you're looking for, for quick growth, you probably don't want to go in, in to a really structured large company. Uh, sometimes that that timeline of thinking about three years, it just might not be possible in that type of environment. So finding the right mix of opportunities to grow maybe in your career with a job title, if that's what you're looking for, but also just in the skills you'll be learning and getting to practice on a daily basis. Super important. Yeah, this is super useful advice. A lot of really, really great takeaways there. And you spoke about leadership, which is something we'll come on to in a moment. But before, let's talk about product and growth first. And a big reason why your team 
was formed was because of your company goal to become a product-led company. So how do you think about and approach product-led growth at Bordable? Product-led growth, the the topic that everyone has been talking about so much. Um, we have had a free trial from the first day we launched this product. So uh, that has been a really helpful, I would say, cornerstone of our business. Of We always want our users to be able to try the product before they ever talk to someone at our company. It's always been the front door to our team. And it's it's been a big part of being able to keep us at a small company size. Uh, however, product-led growth is not only a free trial. It has to really bleed into how you're approaching your business from all different angles. So product-led growth to us right now, it, it means that our product is leading the experience. Um, that doesn't always mean that product is closing the experience. So that often can be a difficult topic when you have a sales team and we absolutely do and they are amazing Uh, but we also have goals around self-service closes so when you have both of those in a company it's really important to understand what your goal is is it always to close without talking to someone or is it to let your product do the lion's share of selling um, and also acquiring users so if if you have a free trial and you have a sales team, absolutely, it's an and statement. It's not an and or. Um, but the other the other nut we're trying to crack, if you want to put it that way, would be how do you make sure your product is your main channel of acquisition? And that is hard, especially when you are in a space like we are that doesn't naturally lend itself to product-led growth. Maybe your users are a little less tech-savvy or maybe the problem that you're solving isn't um, on the top of everyone's mind every single day. So being able to find those experiences within your product and, and that experience starts on your website. So all the way from when they Google your product that first time, you know, boardable, I need to know what that experience is going to be like in the product all the way to when I sign up for that free trial. And when we're approaching that, we are working across the entire company to make sure we are leading with product, which can be tough. So that's that's where we're at right now. We're still figuring out a lot of how to make our product the main uh, channel for acquisition. So we have great a great marketing team, right? That is outside surrounding the product with other channels that are, are bringing users to us. So um, that's where we're at right now. I, I would call always like achieving product-led growth is, is a hard way of uh, moving. It's more, you know, approaching and and getting closer to product-led growth because um, the product has been leading from the start and uh, it's going to continue to lead throughout. But how much of the percentage can that take over is what we're trying to figure out. Yeah, I think this is a really good way to think about product-led growth. And you're VP of growth and you spoke about investing in leadership skills earlier on in your career. So how do you lead growth at scale? Growth is such an interesting practice. Um, It looks different in every single company. I've talked to other growth leaders who are sitting on maybe the marketing side of the business. And so their first goal is is more on the acquisition side. Um, Our growth team actually sits on the product side and our team 
we move across the entire business, as many growth teams do. Um, but really where we first started focusing was on the product itself and how do we make sure that we are setting a foundation in our product that is conducive to growth. So as we build, as we release new features, how do we make sure that they are set up for habit building with our users? How do we make sure that they are set up for experimentation? Because growth is such a big piece of experimentation um, and, and how that happens at your business. So on, uh, on our team, we are the experimenters. Um, any, any part of the business, we can, we can find an opportunity. We can say, okay, how can we move this needle today? Um, and I guess we could kind of get into the structure of my team. So we are working across all, all areas of the business, like I said, to leverage the usage of the product and drive more customer and revenue growth for the company at whole. Um, we do that through forming hypotheses and composing experiments. And those experiments are often around internal messaging. Um, it can be around collateral, especially the trial UX. So that, that first time user experience, we focus heavily on that. We work with our sales team with demos. Um, we own pricing and packaging, onboarding, uh, product user experience. So we really do work across the org, but we also make sure that we rally our entire company around the product. And that means we actually enable every single department around each launch. So we do a lot of things and, and how we do that. I have product marketing under me. I have a growth engineer. So we are actually delivering code. Um, and then I have a principal data scientist as well. So we use that cross-functional team and we just go and, and move quickly. Um, the speed of which we can move because we are cross-functional and we have a mix of skill sets that lends itself to each area of the business. Uh, we can just move a little bit faster and then we partner with each of those teams. So leading a team like this is different. Um, as I just mentioned, I just mentioned skill sets that I don't have, right? I'm not an engineer. I'm not a data scientist. And although I have marketing experience, I am not a product marketer. So it is, it is leading people who are often going to be better at their discipline than you. And that's exactly what you want. And so as you're finding what uh, really fuels your success at a company, it's, it's often in your people. How are they succeeding? How can I make sure that they are resourced to become the best versions of themselves? Because that's going to output growth, not only personally for them, but for my company and for my team. And so as you really run a team like this, that is so agile and experimentation on our team, it means that I'm going to be asking my team to often um, go into areas of the business that might feel a little bit uncomfortable at first. Okay. We might have to try something that we haven't done before. Um, and growth, if you're not okay with being uncomfortable and in starting an experiment and saying, okay, here's what we're trying to do and, and monitoring and tracking the success of that. If you're not okay with at the end of it saying that was a failure, you're not going to find success in the growth field. Um, failing is okay. As long as you are learning from it and figuring out how to approach that problem in a new way after the experiment is over. And that is not natural to many people. Um, so as you lead a team like that, you have to create a culture that is, um, you know, learning first. Me saying as, as the leader of the team, hey, I, I think 
this area of the business. So maybe, maybe it is growth itself, right? I need to make sure I'm still investing in my knowledge there so I can lead them in, in new paths. I can give them material that may open up their minds and how we're approaching a problem. Um, and then the same back, right? I want them to be feeling comfortable enough to give, give me direction at times. So it is, it's an interesting team. Um, it's not your typical, you know, kind of top down structure and department. I have a lot of really skilled and senior individual contributors that are working with me across all of the business. Yeah, that's really good to hear. And it's interesting, your growth team sits in product, but it makes total sense. And uh, you spoke a bit about things you do and how you work across the org, but let's get a little more tactical and operational. So how does your growth team operate? Can you talk us through your operating model or framework? We are a year old. So I would say our framework has changed a little bit, especially as we've staffed up. Um, Just for context, we are just hitting our 50th employee. um, And earlier in 2021, we were at, you know, 20. So we are scaling very quickly. And what that means is there's a lot of change happening across our company, across the board. And so there are different needs at different times. So I would say we we do still run projects as a team that have a longer timeline. Um, for example, working with our mar- marketing ops and sales, we're actually tackling how leads are assigned using PQLs, um, PQL scoring, um, as well as actually some really cool machine learning around uh, what that lead looks like, uh, how do they map to other buyers we've had. So we get to, we get to play in that space. That is more of a day-to-day touch point that we have to have with those teams because it it affects so much of our um, our operations across the board. So we, we are playing in spaces like that, but outside of that, we are also running experiment, um, experiments. So our experiments typically last about two weeks. And what I ask all of my team members to do, we we do take we we align our experiments up with our OKRs as a company. So if we're trying to move a certain metric, it's how can we surround that metric across the business and what experiments can we be running to hopefully make some positive change in a quarter. So we we operate that way. Um, and then we also align it with our build cycle. So our product side of the organization, we use the shape up model. Um, or the shape up framework, that's not a framework, <laughs> which means you have a, a build cycle that lasts six weeks, and then you have a two week cool down. So a lot of the work we do has to coincide with those releases, because we are actually getting in there and often, um, you know, our growth engineer is coding, and and he's making updates to often the experience of, of the product with first time user experience, that trial, making sure that we're activating our leads as fast as possible. So often we're going to have to be bit dependent on, on code releases on the product side of the business. So it's, it's a little fluid. Um, and I think that's, that's exactly how it has to run at our company because we are a team that's moving across the entire business. Now with product marketing, that is more of a function that has, you, you know, you have to develop product marketing at each company and that's going to have certain touch points across the business that are on a cadence. So my product marketers, they are meeting with everyone across the organization, enabling and also creating new messaging for our, our products. And that's released actually each week they have touch points. So um, again, a, a little bit 
all over the place if I were to say, is it a framework? Not yet, but we are finding the ways to be most effective and and really approaching that from a um, an agile way. Okay, is this working? Where can we make a difference right now? And then trying to align that with all of our company's OKRs, really direct where we focus each quarter. Yeah, that's really good to hear. I love asking this question because I think no two growth teams work in the same way. So it's always good to hear how uh, certain growth teams run and operate, even though it's an ever-changing process. But uh, thinking about how others then can accelerate their career growth, what are some of the skills that you look for in growth marketers or people who you'd think about bringing on into your team? I recently was, um, my colleague, she shared an article that is about Molly Graham. Um, It's titled, Give Away Your Legos and Other Commandments for Scaling Startups. And I think this is such an interesting article, uh, especially for if you're in a high growth company and you are scaling very quickly, what you look for is is different uh, depending on what stage you're at of the company. Um, What I look for is the ability to um, let go. So what this article talks about, it's it's saying, you know, as you grow at a really high, high paced, fast paced uh, startup, you have to actually give away your Legos, right? You're building this really cool tower at the beginning, especially me thinking about the beginning of my career. I had all the Legos. I, I was doing 10 jobs. I was I was building that tower just how I liked it. Um, and then you add someone and you have to give away some of those Legos. And sometimes the really tough part about that is that you feel ownership and pride over, over what you were building before. And someone might build it a little bit differently. And being okay with that is a huge leadership skill. Um, you just, you have to be able to do that. And although my team is made up of individual contributors, they are absolutely leaders in our business and they have to go and they have to go into different areas of the business, um, dig in, they have to start something. And then often they're going to have to give it away and they're going to have to say, okay, my job is now changing again. And so being okay with a little bit of chaos is, is important. Um, being able to really comb through everything that's going on in the business and be able to focus and, and make movement forward is, is difficult for some people. Um, and, and that's something you can learn. You could definitely get better at it, but if you don't thrive in that type of environment, it's, it's being aware of, of where you're going to succeed best. So what I look for is someone who's able to adapt to change. Um, and, that, that change can be uncomfortable. So someone who's willing to be uncomfortable and then grow from it, um, which is kind of funny being on a growth team, but I absolutely look for growth and in, in how people deal with challenges. So in an interview process, you probably, how do you find people if you actually haven't put them through that type of work? Um, when I'm talking with, with um, new individuals that could either be on my team or across the company, it's, it's how are you growing yourself? How are you investing in maybe SaaS, right? SaaS is changing all of the time, uh, especially in marketing and product and growth. There are, there's something new to learn every single day. How are you keeping up with that? And, and how do you find your fuel to keep going through the hard times? Those things you can learn from outside of, of just a, a business day-to-day job description. Uh, you, you really can get a feel for that. And then as you are running those teams, Maybe you find the areas that need help with your people um, and you make sure you invest in those 
and you make sure that they feel like they can grow their career where they're at. And I, I think that automatically produces a better team atmosphere when you know you're all investing in yourselves, as well as just a culture that says it's okay. It's okay to not know the answer right now, but I will make sure you get what you need to answer it in the future. Yeah, this is so valuable to hear. And actually following from this, what advice would you give to current mid-level marketing and growth managers who want to become a VP on how to actually get there? Yeah, I think first, do you want to? There's so much value in, you know, staying as an individual contributor. And that doesn't mean you can't grow your career that way, right? Where um, do you want to be running a team or do you want to be really owning your work and in, in, in charge of, of what you're producing? And um, there's, a, there's a lot of value there. So I think first asking yourself that question, where do you find value in your day-to-day work? Um, so after you say, okay, yes, I want to run a team. I want to lead a team then you need to be okay with giving away your Legos. It's going to, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to, it's going to, it's tough. So for example, um, product marketing, you're always coming up with the next best thing, right? You have to be okay with, with someone coming in saying, actually, I see this differently and I would run it different. And um, that doesn't mean you don't help guide and direct, but it does mean that you have to be okay with others coming in with different ideas and letting them run with them and supporting in some areas where before you were in charge of that and you were running it from an individual contributor um, standpoint. So I think that's really important just as you sharpen those skills of, okay, my sec- my success now actually looks like the fact that I have created a team that's able to actually build more because I now have spread out these Legos and they're building bigger towers than I could have ever built on my own. And the reward that you get from that is different. And so as you continue to take on more, you can start actually practicing those things of maybe it's working cross-functionally with another department where you're, you're helping with something you're teaching, um, you're giving some skills that you know to someone else and helping them build, right. Helping them build in a new way that, maybe they weren't thinking of. So there are opportunities to practice and, and to start really getting yourself to that leadership level that you want. I think the other thing is um, showing up in a, a calm manner. Um, often if you're at a, a fast paced moving company, there's chaos everywhere and the ability to really take a breath and sift through all of the noise and find the right way, or maybe it's not the right way, but to make a decision and to move forward is, is such an important skill to have. Um, it may not be the best decision, um, but decision making is, is difficult. And if, if you can't do it because you want to sit there and analyze every single way that it could either succeed or go wrong, you're not going to be able to move at the speed to lead a team because decisions have to be made and there has to be movement um, and as a coming from maybe mid-level, you, you often get a little bit more time to attack a problem from many different angles. When you're leading a team, you're tackling a much larger problem set. So you're going to have to move at a little bit of a different speed. Yeah, this is really good. You've got to question the goal. And then if you decide to go for it, be prepared to give those 
Legos away. So super good takeaway. And overall, this was super good. And we can now move to our closing questions and our fast five challenge. So to wrap things up, I will ask five questions and all you need to do is answer as quickly as possible. So Krista, are you ready? I am ready. All right, let's do it. First question. What is the one book you would recommend others to read? Right now, I have been reading Product-Led Onboarding by Ramil John, and it has been amazing. Yes, awesome. Second question, a SaaS company you love and why? Miro. I've been really interested in their pricing and packaging. They've been doing a lot of experimenting with it. So it's been fascinating just from a like observer to see how they've been changing their company. And then also during this pandemic, it's really helped our remote teams and our hybrid teams collaborate in a really efficient way. Nice. Third question. Favorite place to learn about marketing online? I am a fan of Reforge. Absolutely. Reforge has helped me a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Fourth question. Most important growth metric? So we actually look at the natural rate of growth. Uh, and if you're not familiar with that, uh, the natural rate of growth helps pinpoint the percentage of reoccurring revenue that comes from organic channels that starts in your product. So it's a formula, but we look at natural rate of growth. Nice. And fifth and final question, best piece of advice for fellow marketers? Marketing, you should always be experimenting, trying new things and, and don't be afraid to fail. Um, but only <laughs> is fail, but learn from the failure and get up and, and try again. Awesome. Well, Chris, I have to say this was absolutely awesome. And thank you so much for coming on the Growth of Podcast. Thank you so much, Edward. That was Krista Martin on how to go from marketing manager to VP of growth in just three years. So thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, we'd love for you to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And as ever, you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at Nordic Edward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to Growth Hub Podcast brought to you by Growth Marketing Agency Advanced B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off. And make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different things.